think every, every aspect and every avenue of this. Y'all have heard me say it a, a million times, but just the Lord's fingerprints have been on this. And uh, you, you, you can't replace that. Listen, I've been a part of a lot of situations. I've seen a lot of situations. Let me, let me put it that way. Where men have gotten their hands on it. And men have tried to force it through. And men have tried to make situations work. And this, that, and the other. But I thank God that in these last days, we've seen the Lord do something special. I love you, church. Thank you so much. And the gift, I've got a, a, several things to thank. More, than, more to thank y'all for than I could possibly fit in right this second. But uh, the ordination Bible, I have not. I've took it out of the case once because I, I, it's just so special and I don't want any bumps or scrapes to get on it. And uh, I was showing it to my father-in-law on Sunday night. They stayed with us on Sunday night, showing it to him. And, and uh, man, it's just so beautiful. And y'all don't know this, but that's the Bible that my dad has preached out of, that type of Bible. Is the type of Bible that my dad has preached out of, that brand rather, preached out of my entire life. So, so special to me and how you've showered Charlie with love and gifts and little Charlotte even. Uh, we just, I get emotional up here in just a minute thinking about it, but I want to thank you church for the love y'all have expressed to us and shown us and, uh, and painting the study. Uh, it smells like a, a brand new car in there. So, uh, you know how you don't want to open a pack of chips up in your new car when you you know, uh, if you've experienced that before, well, that's exactly how it feels in that study. But we've got to get busy in there trying to make that place a little more homey. And, uh, and uh, so we're excited. Good to be a church. And it's time to look to the Lord. Listen, you've been out there working in this world. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I can, I can uh, concur with you about your feelings tonight. No doubt a lot of you are tired. But thank you for making your way to the house of God on a Wednesday night. And I, I'll put it to you this way, too. It's always refreshing, like a breath of fresh air, to, uh, to take a minute in the middle of the week to shut it all down. Shut it all down. Shut down what's going on at the, at the workplace. I know it's tough. It goes with you, especially if you care. But just shut it all down tonight. Let's get our face and gaze and eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this, too, before we go much further. Man, I get to going, don't I, sometimes? I'm trying to work on that. Charlie's helping me with that. Just get to the point. But, um, but um, I was as nervous on Sunday night as I was the first time I ever preached. My grand, my grandmother, y'all met her, South Alabama. I'm sure she shook y'all's hand. She, she, she is, she's a church member here she, in her heart and her mind. I told her, Grand, we'll make you an honorary church member of Maryville Baptist Church. But, um, but she sent me a picture this week of a, the CD of my first message, and she's bringing it up for Thanksgiving break. And because uh, and Charlie's wanting to get her hands on that, and it's so embarrassing. But, but, uh, but I was as nervous as I've ever been in my life. But Sunday night, I've never been more aware of the, the, the depth and the heaviness and the seriousness of what was going on. And so I was shaking like a leaf and trying to put together words, and, and I was just a wreck, wept through the whole thing. But the Lord is good, isn't he? And I thank y'all for showing up how you did. I love you so much. Love you dearly. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to do for us tonight. Brother Jack, if you would, stand up and pray where you're at and uh, ask God to help. Brother Terry's going to come around and lead us in songs, and we're going to look to the Lord for a few moments. Let's pray on Soften our hearts up that we're able to listen, Lord, and take, take it in and take it to work with us tomorrow, Lord, and our light might shine. Again, bless the precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your seat. Page 78.
iceberg in the bright sunlight. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Sister Megan, just go ahead and just play softly for us tonight. Is there any specials, anything I'm missing tonight? Is it offering? We'll do offering right here in just a moment. Any specials to be sung tonight as far as we know? Okay. All right, church. Well, we want to take this moment to, uh, let's go ahead and take up Sunday night mission offering. And uh, I want to thank the Lord while we're on the subject of missions. Brother Tim just updated, told me they had three saved in the jail on Sunday morning. Isn't that wonderful, church? I'm telling you, there is joy in the presence of the angels. You know, growing up, they used to say, uh, they used to say, uh, you know, there's, the angels rejoice when one is saved. That's not what the Bible says. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. You know who gets happy when one comes to him? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what happened when he brought you to himself? He got happy in heaven. In the presence of the angels. Thank God. Amen. Ordered we to rejoice tonight, church, that souls are getting saved. Pray for our missionaries tonight. Every ministry out of the Murrayville Baptist Church. You see, as we're working here and as God is working here at this place, branches that are leaving of support, so seeds that are being sown, prayers that we pray for our missionaries for the works out of Murrayville Baptist Church. God has taken that. Seeds that are sown they'll come back. They'll come back. And I've never seen a church that wasn't serious about praying and supporting missions that God didn't bless. Not, not, not one. Not one. Oh brother Harold Sattler uh, y'all know him? Brother Harold Siler, a great pastor out of Greenville, South Carolina. He was going to the bank to get a loan for a building. And the banker told him, said, uh, Brother Siler, if you drop some of these missionaries, you wouldn't need a bank loan to build this building. He looked at that banker and he said, son, he said, if it wasn't for all the missionaries, we wouldn't need this building. That's what he said. It's pretty good, ain't it? It's pretty good, ain't it? The Great Commission still stands, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Preach the gospel. There's power in the gospel tonight. There's power in Christ. So we're going to pray here in just a few moments. Matter of fact, Brother Tim, you come on up and ask God's blessing over the mission offering. As soon as the mission's offering's taken up, we're going to take up a prayer request and then corporately pray tonight and seek the Lord. So, Brother Tim, you pray as soon as that's done. Men, you go ahead and uh, head back and get the offering tonight, and we'll ask the Lord's blessings on the service. Come on, Brother Father, tonight, God, we're so grateful, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. So grateful to be saved tonight, Lord, by your grace. So grateful, Lord, that your church, God, here tonight, Lord, that serves you and believes your word. And I pray, God, for every missionary, Lord, that's on the field tonight. Yes, Lord. Everyone that's out there, Lord, that uh, might seem like they've been forgotten, God, I pray that the sweet Holy Spirit of God, yes, Lord, touch. the Comforter, God, would come by, Lord, and touch them. Let them know once again, remind us again, that we're never alone with Thee. I pray, God, for Your hand upon this service. I thank You for Brother Jay, his wife, Charlie, his daughter, 
Pray for their family, build a hedge about them. But most of all, God, when, when you allow Brother Jay to preach, God, would you use them tonight? Would you help us to see Jesus more clearly so that we can become more like him in these last days? Thank you for the souls you saved Sunday, Lord. Thank you for your prayers, God, hearing our prayers and answering them. Because we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus for his sake. Amen. Giving is an act of worship tonight, and I know sometimes it's overlooked in spite of tradition. But the Lord said that He loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Now we know the Lord loves us tonight, but uh, I certainly don't want to be accused of being a, a stingy giver, would you? So help us, Lord, to to give with a heart of love and adoration for him. Thank you so much for giving tonight to missions. So many prayer requests tonight and we'll go through them. Sister Judy Johnson called today. I tried to give her a, a call back, left her a message. Uh, she's in pain tonight. She's not gonna be able to make it. Feels like this cold front has probably had something to do. There's just so much and church, I need your help tonight. Brother Rick, uh, Brother Terry gave an update. I believe you and Sister Bobby went to see him Monday. You went to see him Monday. So they're still working out where he's going next. A lot of details to be there, but y'all pray for Brother Rick. Sister Karen, during this time, uh, I don't think there's a soul in here that has probably not had some direct or indirect experience with cancer and family or with your own self. Um, so please, please pray for Brother Rick. Sister Carolyn, I talked to Sister Lynn uh, earlier this evening. Um, she's doing okay, making slow progress. So y'all pray for her. She's walking and these small and small and small improvements. I encourage Sister uh, Lynn this evening that, you know, we can get bogged down in the small, slow, small things, the daily. A lot of times what we have to do is take a look back from where we came from. And, uh, and see the improvements that way. So pray for Brother Tommy's mama, uh, uh, that God would help in this time, and the Lord knows. And so y'all pray for that family's precious family. It's going through so much. Hospice has been called in for a while now, and so y'all pray there. And uh, Sister Stamey, let's pray for Sister Ann. Um, any, up, any more updates that anybody knows? Jeff Stamey on the prayer list tonight. Jeff on the prayer list. Uh, Barbara Dale. Pray for Miss Barbara Dale tonight. Um, precious lady going through this season of difficulty. There's so much tonight. Kelly Sisk, Sherry Seabolt. Can't ask us to remember those in prayer tonight. So, 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 so many more. Um, these are just the ones that we've checked up on this week so far. So anyone else with prayer requests tonight? Yes, ma'am. 
Jack and Melinda Gilbert. should bring us comfort tonight is when we go through the trials of life and through the work week and go through all these health issues and people that are broken and people that need are in need and broken our own mind and the warfare we face the battle we're in the fight we're in in order to comfort us he's coming soon he's coming soon we're going to see him again soon brother John we'll see him again soon and pray for his people keep an eye on them go to the Lord Pray for them. Ask God to bless them and keep them. Amen. This world's so backwards, isn't it? There's so much, so many folk coming against them. God, help us tonight. Yes, Lord, help us. We need the Lord, don't we? Anyone else? Diane Ferguson. Yes. Remember our precious deacon tonight up here, Brother Terry. He's going in for knee surgery. And he's going to be down. And we're going to bring him some food. And we're going to take care of him. Sister Bobby starves you to death, doesn't he? Y'all can see Sister Bobby starves him to death. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's had him on those microwave meals here recently. Y'all y'all pray for him. Remember Brother Terry going to surgery in this month. Bless his heart, he's pushed off everything so he could get through ordination and find a preacher. It's time for him to get to walking without some pain, isn't it? So y'all pray for him. Anyone else tonight? Quickly before we pray. How about this? Any unspoken request tonight? Let it be known by lifted hands. Look at all these hearts. Thank you so much. Let's come and pray tonight, church. Gather around. Seek the Lord. Wednesday night prayer meeting. Father in heaven, we ask prayer tonight. We come to you because, Lord, we're in need. Lord, you told us to pray. Lord, you said uh, that we ought to pray. Lord, Father, that we faint not. Father, we long to pray to know you in prayer, to seek you in prayer, to love you in prayer. Your people have come tonight and we've gathered together to pray. Father, there's so many needs here. Lord, so many 
bodies that are in need of a touch. Lord, so many hearts that are in need of encouragement. Father, tonight I, I ask for just a few moments that individually, every name that's been mentioned tonight, that you would go to now that situation as we gather. And Father, I pray that you would meet those situations, those needs. Father, thank you that when we don't even know what to pray, that the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. My Father, I ask you tonight, please, 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 Lord, touch. Lord, Father, Lord, the ones that have been mentioned that are lost, that are in need of Christ, be with them. I pray for the spiritually downtrodden, discouraged. Please touch, Lord. Father, I pray for the health needs. God, Lord, thank you, Lord, that we can come to you in time of need. Lord, we're needy people. We're but dust, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. And I pray, Father, tonight we'd look to you and not to anything else. For you know how much in need we are. We thank you most of all tonight for the gospel, for Christ, for the love of Christ that works in us. Father, I pray, Lord, according to your work and your mighty power, that you would touch. Thank you for how you love us, Lord. We look to you tonight. Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. Help us to look to Christ for a few moments, to your word, to sit at your feet and hear your words. And whatsoever you do, Father, we'll be sure to give you glory, honor, and praise. For it's in the name of Jesus we do humbly pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We want to look at this text. And what we want to do tonight is just sit at his feet and hear his words. His words tonight. And we don't want to say anything that God hasn't said. And we definitely don't want to say more than what God has said. Uh, we just want to say what God has said and then take our seat tonight. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, we'll look here. We'll preach for a couple hours and then we'll go home. Uh, let me say this tonight again. I haven't welcomed them yet, but I, I, aren't you grateful for our, for our Facebook live stream and ministry? Isn't that a blessing? We've seen great response over that in the last little bit, and we want to go ahead and welcome those that are joining us. By that way of, of uh, communication. And thank God too for our uh, sermon audio ministry. I had a dear brother reach out. Uh, matter of fact, Aunt Charlie was with me as we were traveling to church this past Sunday morning. Reach out and just a very, 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 very special message. Talked about how he had heard on sermon audio the services. And that God had blessed his heart and blessed his life. Isn't that wonderful? And the Lord's doing something, church. And we want to thank him for it. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6. Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And he is meek and he is gentle tonight. Who in presence and base among you, but being ab absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So there were some people that had a problem with Paul. Verse number two, that's obvious. They, had a, they took issue against him and think that, thought that his doctrine was maybe off or maybe skewed, uh, said that what he taught and what he said uh, may have been wrong and that he did it in a fleshly manner and walked in a fleshly manner. But Paul reassures the hearers and the readers at Corinth that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down 
of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Not some of our thoughts, not a few of our thoughts, but every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is full field. And the church said, Amen. Thank the Lord for the reading of His Word tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, this is a wonderful text that we've read in your hearing and Obviously, there's so much that's going on. You know, I, I struggle at times over the fact that if you're going to understand what the Bible is saying at any given point, uh, you, you, it would be of great benefit to you and I, and not just a benefit because God has commissioned us to rightly divide the word of truth, to make sure that we're just not lifting things out that we want to lift out in order to make our worldview fit, that's not what we do. Uh, we, 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 we look at the Scripture, and we study the Scripture, so that we may, in context of what's being said, not be able to pull certain things out, but rather get the full view of what God is saying to us, so that we may come to know Christ, Come to grow in grace, to grow in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we might be more like the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify God in this life. So there's so much that's going on, that's why I get a little long-winded at times, because I want to set the scene of what's being said in the text. And we cannot overstate the value of that. Every heretical doctrine... Every misconstrued denomination, most of the time, can be narrowed down with their false views of Scripture to sometimes one verse taken out of context. One verse taken out of context. You cannot imagine the damage that is done to people's life, to people's walk, to people's understanding of who God is, what God does, how He acts, His character, His, 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 His abilities, His power, His glory. You cannot imagine how it affects people's walk and affects people's life than when we lift context verses out of context and try to apply them in our life. But rather it is our job as teachers, it is our job as preachers to preach the Word in context, to teach the Word in context, so that we may come into the fullness of the stature of a man in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we desire to do. So tonight, I say that, tonight there's so much that was going on at Corinth that I, I don't want to get bogged down in too much of surrounding text, but rather in verses number 4 and 5, want to look at what's happening here. Tonight we're preaching on this subject of spiritual presuppositions. Now say that three times fast. Spiritual presuppositions. And of course, the first question that will be asked tonight is, what is a presupposition? And uh, I, I want to start out by saying this, that every single one of us in this building tonight have them. Every single one of us have spiritual presuppositions. And then of course the next question is, well, what's a presupposition? Uh, everybody has them, and what's the big deal about them? Well, a presupposition is a, a, an implicit assumption or a belief or an inference, thought, or something that underlines your thought pattern in your consciousness. That's a lot, but we'll try to break it down. Presuppositions dominate your life subconsciously. You may not even be aware that you are having the thoughts, having the, pre, uh, the subconscious uh, level of understanding. You may not be aware that you're 
having these presuppositions, but they dominate our life. And presuppositions dominate your life in thoughts to the point that you may not even know that you have them. Presuppositions are or is something that is taken for granted or assumed to be true by you. They shape your thoughts, your conversation, and your actions. Uh, I'll put it to you like this. I may pre presuppose that I have a beautiful head full of hair. Uh, but uh, it's just not the case tonight. It's a, it's a, my, my, my grandfather, who may be listening tonight, y'all saw him on Sunday night. He, he thinks that he has a head full of hair. Uh, but that's a presupposition that may or may not be balanced in truth. And I'm being pretty hard on my granny. And if he's listening, don't kill me at Thanksgiving, granny. But uh, again, remember that all of us have them. All of us have presuppositions. And it's an old statement, and I think it may be true about some of us. A majority of church people I know may be wrong about something, but they're never in doubt. You understand? And so a, a lot of the folk I grew up around were wrong about several things, Brother Ron, but they were not in doubt about those things. Never in doubt. So tonight, why is it so important for us to understand our own spiritual presuppositions and understandings? Because a false presupposition is nothing more than your imagination. Let me say that again tonight in another way. A false presupposition is nothing more than an imagination. It has no root in reality. One of the distinguishing marks of childhood is a life that is constantly lived in what? Imagination. In a fantasy world, it's why Disney has been so successful. They harness your what? Your imagination. And take people to a land of make-believe. My daughter already, she's not, even, she's not even three years old yet. And she's living in a world of imagination. Everything's a land of make-believe until mommy and daddy get on to her. Then we step into reality and there's a problem with that, right? <laughs> But it's a, it's a distinguishing mark of childhood living in imagination. God does not want His children living in that kind of condition. In the realm of imagination, in the realm of make-believe. But some of God's children, some of us tonight, and it's a temptation. And matter of fact, it is a, it is a place that Satan desires because he knows he can't get your soul he attacks your mind. He attacks your imagination. He, 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 matter of fact, will, will work in your life to bring falsehoods and imaginations into your life to get you fixated on untruths in your life. God rather desires that His children are firmly fixated and fixed on truth. I have no greater desire than to hear that my children walk in truth. So, how are presuppositions formed in the first place? How do you get them in the first place? Well, firstly, tonight they're formed by your life experience. Now, think back with me tonight about your life and about your life experience. What you have been through. It's said that some things can only be experienced in order to be learned. And what you have been through in life will impose habits of thought and presuppositions on how you dissect and view reality that you otherwise would not think or suppose if life had not taught you these certain things or if life had not impressed itself upon you. And tonight that's why I'm so Careful when folks go through difficulties and hardships and hard times. And, I, and I've learned in my life, Brother Tim, that when I go through tribulation or necessities, 
in difficulties. It's then that it is so important for me to hunker down in truth and reality. Because if you go too far with life experience, and if you go too far with life teaching you lessons instead of seeing things through the lens and the binoculars and the microscope that God has given us, we are prone, prone to create imaginations and presuppositions that are not rooted in reality. So life experience teaches us these presuppositions. Secondly tonight, influence will we'll create presuppositions, spiritual presuppositions in you. What do you mean, Brother Jay? Well, it's noted that influence comes in different forms. I'll give you three quickly. Family, because your whole life, they're all you know. That's what you know from a child. So family will influence presuppositions on you, your view of reality. Friends will impose influence on you because it's a known concept in, in human in the human condition that we long to be accepted by those around us. That's why the truth that we are accepted in the beloved is so precious. Because we long and desire and, and crave acceptance from the friends around us. And from the family around us. Thirdly tonight, influence uh, can be and presuppositions can be placed on you by your culture. Because we are influenced daily by the culture that we live in, by the atmosphere that we live in, by the work situation that we have, by the, uh, by the uh, uh, school situation that we have, the community situation that we have, the community at church that we have, the, uh, and, and don't even get me started on this device, how we're influenced by, by, by what's getting, I'm telling you, you get on your phone, get on Facebook, and you can scroll for, let's just say, five posts, Brother Terry. And, and one of them is going to be uh, about a problem somebody's going through. The second one's going to be, a God help tonight, a picture of a rotten or infected toe. I, 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 I can't take it tonight. Now, look, a sure way to get muted from Brother Jay is post something of some kind of rotten flesh. Okay, and that my stomach's going to turn, and I'm out. I'm out past that point. But, but uh, so, so, no, anyway, I will come and visit you, and I, I will wash your feet. I'll wash that, but I just can't stare at it for too long, okay? So, so just know that tonight. But you scroll, and you see a sad post. You see a happy post. You see a joyful post. You see a heartbreaking post. We... As we dissect whatever information in front of us, create presuppositions and guarded feelings about how we feel about ABC based on the already supposing mindsets that we have in life. I've got to hurry. Life experience, influence, and emotional regulation. Lastly, let me say this tonight. It's proving that our feelings are closely associated with memories and thoughts in our lives. So smells, atmosphere, songs, movies. How many of you have smelled a smell that you remembered from, from however long ago? Whether you were a teenager or a young person, you smell that smell and bam, a memory pops in your head. And then a, then a whole new presupposition. We, we're just filled with them. We're just filled with them. And they influence our walk with God. They influence our, our spiritual health. They influence our, our, our awareness of, of, of God and our awareness of Christ and how we look to Him. I'll give you an example. I preach occasionally and have preached occasionally. I haven't preached it here yet, but on this subject of our Heavenly Father. I preach on Heavenly Father now. Y'all saw my father, y'all met him a few Sundays ago here. You heard him, those were, that were at the ordination on Sunday night. I thank God for my father. He's a God-loving, God-fearing man. I don't know, he's my hero. 
He's, he's been my best friend. He's been a constant source of solidness in my life. So I have a good father. But, but not everyone's experience of a father, Brother Ron, has been the experience that I had. So there is a different presupposition so that when they hear the message of the loving, gracious, kind, gentle, meek, heavenly father, it's hard for them to grasp it. It's hard for them to grasp that because they have a presupposition about what a father is. And it's hard to get a hold of. That's an example. I want to look at one scripture example. There's so many we could of how a presupposition will affect your life and then we'll go home. Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, father of the faith, father of the Israelites. He received the blessing of Isaac, the birthright. He worked 14 years for Leah and Rachel underneath Laban. This man wrestled with God, had a special touch from God, saw a ladder of angels ascending and descending, ministering spirits and I... I, I personally believe that tonight, that that is a picture of that Christ, the connection that, that we have with God in heaven through the reality of Christ, that Christ is our connector. He saw all that. It's a special man. But you know the story. In Genesis 37, Jacob had many sons. Jacob had many sons. But the delight of Jacob's life was his son who? Joseph. And Joseph, in Genesis 37 and 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. You know the story. Joseph was the light of Joseph's, uh, Jacob's life. And as a result of this love that Jacob had towards Joseph, Joseph, Joseph's brothers hated him. Again, you know the story. Joseph's brothers threw him into the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites, took him down to Egypt, sold him to Potiphar. The, the slave traders did. Of course, Potiphar's wife lied, said that Joseph had done something that he had not. Uh, Potiphar places him in prison. Again, the butler and the baker. The butler is freed. The baker is executed just as Joseph prophesied and interpreted the dream that they both had in the prison. Pharaoh then had dreams, and again, there's so much going on here. There's so much good preaching. But Pharaoh had dreams and uh, called, and his uh, butler remembered Joseph and said, there's a man that I met in jail that, that can interpret this dream for you. Jacob, uh, Joseph goes in, interprets about how Israel, or rather Egypt, the whole world is to go into famine. There'll be years of plenty and years of famine. Joseph is standing before the most powerful man in the world. But listen, church, Jacob is sitting in his tent in the field, going to sleep, waking up, eating, going to work, celebrating birthdays of his sons and daughter-in-laws and grandchildren and daughters. He's doing all this day in and day out with a presupposition that Joseph was dead. Gone forever. The son of his old age, the one that he loved, the one that he had raised, the one that he had cared about. He said, my son is dead because his son's had brought him a, a coat of blood instead of one of many colors. He supposed that truth was based on the facts of what his sons had shown him, life experience. In chapter 37 and verse number 29 through 35 the Bible says, And Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned to his brethren, and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This, is, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. So he was deceived by his own sons, and he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat, and the evil beast that devoured him, Joseph 
is without doubt rent in pieces. Without doubt, he said. It wasn't that he said, you know what, that does look like his son, but go back out and search for him a little bit. No, no, no. J Jacob had already made the decision up in his heart. My son is dead and there's no hope for him to be alive. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Mm. And he said, for I will go down unto the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. It's a presupposition that developed in Jacob's life. And for the next 22 years, Jacob wakes up, goes to work, eats his food, sleeps, goes in day in and day out for 22 years with the supposition, with the presupposition that Joseph was dead. Refused to be comforted. I'll go to my grave mourning my son. But church, was Joseph dead? Was God finished with Joseph? Did Joseph die at Potiphar's house? Did Joseph die in the prison cell? Did Joseph die over all of the issues that had transpired in his life? No, he had not. We know that, but Jacob didn't. We can see that because we have the full view of truth. But Jacob was living in an imagination. Are you with me tonight? And some of us think that our Joseph is dead. That God is finished with you. That your story is told. And some of us have walked into this church tonight with presuppositions that are eating at us. Imaginations that are not based in truth. I've come to tell you tonight that your Joseph is alive. Joseph is alive. And God is writing your story. He's writing your story. Someone look at your neighbor and say, Joseph is alive. There arose a great famine in the land. Just as Joseph had interpreted. And sad Jacob sent his sons after food in Egypt to survive a little while longer. He said, there's a man down there somewhere that is said... That is said, there's food and plenty to spare. I want you to go down, take your brothers, go down and get some of that food. I want to, we've got to survive just a little while longer. We're living on the, on the very tip of being a failure. We're living on the very tip of being completely starved out. Let me tell you something, church. That's where your presuppositions, your false presuppositions will get you. Starved, discouraged, believing the lie of Satan, believing the lie of the enemy. Before you know it, you're just almost out of the battle. You're almost starved out, about to die. Well, what does the story say tonight in Genesis? Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. I can't go into all that detail. But he reveals himself to his brothers and sends them back to Jacob in verse number 20 of Genesis here. Joseph, let me, let me move on. Joseph gives provision, changes of raiment, silver. Joseph sends to his father all of these good things, all of these animals baden with good thing, uh, laden with good things, corn, bread, and meat. The sons come back and they tell Joseph, excuse me, they tell Jacob everything. And Jacob didn't believe their words. They said, Daddy, Joseph is alive. Let me make this point. You'll start believing your own presuppositions so much that even when you hear the truth, you won't believe it. 
and you'll side and favor the presuppositions, the knowledge that you think that you have acquired, the reality and the imagination that you're living in, you'll think it's reality. And when you hear the truth, you can't even look past it. Some of us this afternoon will not even believe the truth when we hear it. But when Jacob saw the wagons, his heart revived. He saw what? He saw the vehicles of the grace of God to transport Jacob to the presence of Joseph. What were those wagons a, represent, a representation of? They were a representation of what Jacob could not do and what his sons could not do, but only what a king could do. And tonight there's so much that you and I cannot do in our own power. There's so much strength that you and I cannot muster. But this, more, this afternoon, our heavenly Joseph is our strength. Our heavenly Joseph is our transport. Our heavenly Joseph is our wagon laden with riches tonight. And he desires for us to see the reality of the situation. So let's hurry tonight. I'm done. Saw the vehicles of the grace of God to transport Jacob to the presence of Joseph. The truth and the Spirit opened Jacob's eyes. In chapter, 40, uh, chapter 46 and verse 29, the Bible says, And Joseph made ready his chariot. The Bible says that it was enough for him when he saw the wagons. And his spirit revived. He said, Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go to him and see him. So what are you saying tonight, Brother Jay? I'm saying, as we return to our text in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, that our weapons that we have... I'm, oh my, what a warfare we're in. What a fight we're in. What a battle that we are in. The Bible says in verse number 3 of chapter number 10 of 2 Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You understand tonight that your battle is not with the people around you. Now, Satan may be influencing those people. And if you work in a lost environment like I do, Satan is influencing in that room. And you can bet your bottom dollar that Satan is active. Well, they're children of Satan. And Satan is, is active and just like God works through his children, Satan always has a counterfeit. Satan is active in working through his own children. That's right. But we're not wrestling against the person. We're wrestling against the spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities, powers, and on and on we go. My goodness, I don't have time. We may have to wrap this up next Wednesday. But I want to remind you, church, that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience, to the power, to the grandeur, to the glory, to the power, to the grace, to the love of Jesus Christ. What have we been preaching on here recently? One thing. And God's desire is for us to recognize the weapons in the arsenal that we have. And God does not long for us to live underneath our own spiritual presuppositions. But to get the glory and to get the victory through Jesus Christ tonight. Hallelujah. Through prayer and through his word. Set at his feet and hear his word tonight. It's not the local camp meeting you need. It's the Word of God you need. It's not the approval of the brethren you need. It's Jesus Christ that you need. Whoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah tonight. 
It's not another trip somewhere to hear a motivational speaker to lift your spirit that you need. It's another look at Jesus Christ that you need. He is alive and He's here tonight. And He lives inside of your heart. Get rid of those spiritual presuppositions. Cast down those imaginations and let Christ reign victorious and bring them into subjection and obedience to Him tonight. What does that mean, Brother Jay? Well, what I like to think it means and what I can tell by study of this text, and I have absolutely butchered it tonight, but what I like to think about verse number 5 and bringing into captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ, I like to think like this. As I'm going about my day, I had it yesterday. I had just a horrible meeting with a particular county. Somewhere at a pre-construction meeting and won't go into details. It was nothing to do with me, but it's the regulation and interpretations of truth and state regulations, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. No issue. We're going to follow the county's ordinances and what they say their interpretation of that is. I say that to say this. It's easy to get in the flesh quick. Very quick. It's easy to take your own presuppositions and your own mindset about what should happen at any given point in life. It's a very vague example. But tonight, would to God that every thought we have would first be run through the name of Jesus. Lord, this thought I'm thinking, I'm just going to submit it to you. Lord, I don't have the power to myself to live a life of effectiveness. You know I've got all this going on in my mind, in my soul, in my heart. But I submit to you. I submit this thought before the grandeur and in obedience to Christ, I lay it down. Every thought. Well, she said this to me. He said that to me. This is what they believe. This is what they believe. I'm so confused, Brother Jay. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm like a shotgun tonight. I'm just hitting a bunch of different things and then we're going to the house. But there's so many different... It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me as I've been in these 17 years of ministry and talking to people and God's people, what some people struggle with. You listening? Let me get a little closer to home. I can't believe after the years that I've been saved what I struggle with. Amen? And how I struggle and how I'll let Satan attack and fight and imaginations and strongholds get built up in my mind and built up in my heart. I say, let's take a demolition, stick a dynamite to that and say, Lord, let our thoughts be submitted to you and walk in peace. Weapons of your warfare are not carnal. What weapon do we have in the army and the arsenal of God? The sword. What God has said. Standing on the promises, Brother Leo. Living in light of truth. Living in light of... And some of you... Oh, Lord. <clears throat> there goes my voice. Wow. Some of you tonight are living in spiritual presuppositions and letting them overtake you. And they've created strongholds. You see, that's, that's, what, that's what the old... The old armies would do, but Leo could educate, and our veterans could educate us on this tonight. <clears throat> You're looking for a beachhead somewhere. You're looking for a, some point to establish dominance. Although it may be small, you need a place to establish dom dominance against the enemy. That's what Satan does. He looks for a place for a small beachhead or a point of control to become a stronghold in your heart and in your mind. Tonight, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Well, what, what does that mean? That means tonight when you go home and you're struggling with your own presuppositions and what you think is true and what you think is reality, 
take a minute and submit those thoughts to, to the grandeur and the glory of Christ. And take a minute and compare those thoughts for what this book says right here. And I promise you, I promise you peace will come through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much anxiety in this day, and I'm done right now. I'm done. But there's so much anxiety in this day. I didn't know what the word anxiety was, but Terry, till I was like 19 or 20, and then I started hearing it all of a sudden, all the time. Anxiety, 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 anxiety. <clears throat> now you've got 10-year-olds saying, I've just got anxiety. 10-year-olds with stress. It's a pandemic. And all of it is based just on falsehood and false presuppositions. God, help us to live in reality tonight. Are you glad you came to the house of God? I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I appreciate the fact that while the rest of the world is living in a, in a realm of falsehood and strongholds that Satan has created, that God's people can live free. And whom the Son makes free, ye shall be free indeed. Free from sin. Free to walk in the truth. Free to walk in the Spirit. Free to think how God thinks. God help us to do it tonight. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your mercy. Thank you for your people. Lord, oh God, forgive us of a weak effort in ourselves tonight. We pray that you would take your word, Father, that is so strong. It is strong. It is sharp. It is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that the precious seeds of the word of God would go out into hearts tonight. And that you would break down these imaginations. That you would break these strongholds in our life. These falsehoods. These false realities. These presuppositions that we live up under and underneath. Break those, Lord. Help us to realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Lord, Satan is our enemy. The flesh, the inward man, is our enemy. And God, help us to see you and your precious Son high and lifted up in our heart. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't come in to take a back seat. Lord, that you came in to take over. I pray tonight that you would reign free in our hearts. And we'll thank you for whatsoever you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. That is the message tonight. <clears throat> Look to Jesus. Let's all stand. I want to make